telling him that I'd rather fall onto a building than off of a building. I mean, I, I don't think that's too controversial. Um, I, I did an episode... I've done three episodes so far, and after every episode I realize there's a bunch of stuff I forgot to mention, because obviously, I mean, as you can tell, as you've noticed, I'm pretty scatterbrained. I'm going to clear my throat. I tend to lose my train of thought a lot, and uh, so I thought I'd just make an episode that's specifically for... Oh, I found my shulker box, by the way. An episode specifically about mentioning things I forgot to mention in the uh, previous episodes. I actually made a list of topics this time. I mean, that might be a better way to go about this, is uh, going off of a list rather than just making it up as I go along. Also, I'm aware about, and I guess I have been aware of this, like, t -t -t sound that is... It's got to be this headset, I think. It's just kind of... I bought it for $50 at Target, like, five years ago. I have a new one in uh, my Amazon cart, but... I mean, I, I know I make videos faster than I buy $50 things on Amazon. So you may have to deal with it for a few more episodes. Alright, sorry, I'm going to clear my throat again. But, okay, for my... I only had a couple things I think I forgot to mention in my first episode, which was about out-of-body experiences. Um, I know I brought up the vibrations several times, and I even said, yo, I'll explain the vibrations later and I didn't do it the vibrations are uh, in my experience it's a sensation it's a f it's a sensation through touch and sound and visually once I guess twice of if, if I'm in the state if I'm in the correct state of body and mind to leave the body and then I do some technique from, you know, Michael Raduga's book. Then if I'm successful, it brings on the vibrations. And once I have the vibrations, then I lay and feel it for maybe a couple minutes. And then I go ahead, you know, I could have went through the portal down there. And then I just go ahead and get up out of bed, out of my body. Well... So what the vibrations are is, it feels, it's kind of like, and uh, people people mistake this a lot, but it's a, it feels like your body is vibrating, and not in sort of like, it's not tingles at all. It's not a subtle thing at all. The first few times it's honestly terrifying. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, it's different. A little different every time and it's different for different people but in a general sense it's it feels like your body maybe your whole body maybe just part of it maybe your legs or whatever is vibrating like a like a washing machine or something and like a like an electric motor so it feels like your your skin is shaking at whatever frequency and it comes with a sound 
and the if it's if the vibrations are hard and rough the sound might be like or uh you know it could be really light really calm feeling and you could be hearing or something like that um people sometimes say well is it a seizure it's not a seizure because it's not muscular twitching. Your, your legs and arms aren't shaking around. It feels like you're vibrating like an electric motor. And that's not... That's literally what it feels like. It feels like you're a dryer or something. You know, you feel a dryer, you put a hand on it, it's vibrating. Yeah, you got it. And, you know, it's... Like I said, there are variations as to where you're feeling it or how strongly you're feeling it or what the frequency is. <clears throat> If I was an audio engineer, I could probably say, oh yeah, I was, it was 133 hertz or whatever. But every time I've had an out-of-body experience, with the exception of the first time, which was a remote eye projection, I explained that in the first episode, it starts with a feeling of vibrations, and then I stand up and I don't feel the vibrations anymore. Um, people who, and I mean, there are three questions I like to ask people. Have you ever woke up and it felt like your body was vibrating, is one. Have you ever had a very vivid dream that took place in the same environment where you were sleeping, is two. And the third one is, have, do you ever have dreams about aliens? Um, they're, all, they're all tied together. Not necessarily that you'll have you know, alien dreams, but I think that a certain amount of alien contact does take place in that environment that even when people say, no, it was real, it was physical, it, well, that's what it feels like. It feels real and physical. If you're not familiar with having out-of-body experiences as a hobby, you may not understand how real it can feel. So, I mean, di there are different techniques that to, to bring it on. Most of them involve laying down, relaxing completely, fooling your body into thinking you're asleep, basically. Um, the one I like to do is to wake up without moving my body or opening my eyes and then uh, uh, trying to float. Eh, I explained this all in the first episode. So <clears throat> that's what the vibrations are. It's not a seizure. It's not tingling. It's not subtle. It is terrifying and abrupt. And if you expect it to be subtle, if you expect it to be like when the guy says, all right, imagine you're walking, you know, it's a guided hypnosis. Imagine you're walking through a field and you're like, yeah, I can kind of feel like I'm walking through a field. No, it's, it's, it's very visceral. I don't know. Is this my spot? Yeah. So. It, I guess it's been, it's probably been a few months since I felt that. Uh, I'm going to check my time because. I have a list of things and I want to get through them all by the time my time is up, which I always give myself an hour. Another thing I wanted to mention was Nicholas Newport. I believe that was his name. He was a... He is... I don't know. He has lucidology.com. One, two, three. Good. And it's about... He also, like Raduga, and they might be right, he equates out-of-body experiences and lucid dreams, uh, but not in a way that is discounting the out-of-body experience, but in a way that is inflating the, the lucid dream. And and I do believe that dreams are, they do tend to take place, and they do take place in an environment. It's not just 
nighttime hallucinations. Um, I I found lucidology.com a while, years and years ago. I honestly don't know if it's still being maintained, but Nick Newport, you listen to him, you read his words, he's a smart guy, and he has a lot of very interesting ideas, and his techniques for achieving this experience are very different, very different than all the other books, all the other people. I, I think that I think he's worthwhile for that reason. I remember there, like, uh, there was a test he, I don't know if he, I don't know what he invented, I don't know, that he came up with or that he said for testing if you're in the right state, if you're in the trance state, and it's that you have, you imagine in your Im imaginary environment, and you know, I'm not, I don't hate the idea that, um, Imagination also takes place in an environment. Uh, but, you know, I I don't know too much about that. It just makes sense to me. That in your imagination, you find a... Or you make a dresser. You open the drawers and see what's inside. And then, after you're done with that, you open the drawers to see if it's still the same thing. Because if you've got, you know, eight drawers... and I haven't read this in years, by the way. I could be butchering it. If you have eight drawers, it's not easy to remember everything that's in every drawer if you're not concentrating hard and using mnemonic devices. So if you're opening the drawers, and it's the same thing as last time, and you go, oh, yeah, pin... Uh, Why can't I, like... Marbles. <laughs> I can't think of... The names of objects. Oh yeah, a mug is in this one. Oh yeah, there's a squirrel in this one. That's right. And because you know you can, you don't remember something and then you see it and then go, oh yeah. You don't have to be able to bring it up mentally to recognize that it is the same as last time. Um, there was a technique, I'm pretty sure from his, his programs, the technique being uh, lying in Lying down, closing your eyes, and in your imagination, walk through, say, your living room. Pick up three objects and inspect them in great detail. And when you... And then after you do that, the next day or whatever, because I, I guess I do it when I was in bed, going to sleep. The next day, go and look at those three objects and see what details did I get right? What details did I get wrong? What did I miss? So, then you do it again the next night. Try to, you know, you try to make it more and more accurate every night. And <clears throat> it was only recently that I I put this together with Michael Rodriguez's palpations, where once you're out of body and you're feeling low focus or you're blind or something, you start picking up objects and feeling them in great detail. And what you're doing is what I believe you're doing is putting energy into that external part of yourself, feeding it energy so that it, uh, you know, it's using the energy to feel these details and to use these senses, but then as a side effect, you end up having more awareness and uh, better, better mental when you're in that environment. So I believe that <clears throat> with that other technique I was talking about, walking through the room, feeling the three things. When you imagine you're a place, you are sending a little aspect of yourself to that place. 
that is kind of a shitty low energy thing, but if you use techniques, you can get you can get some senses. And I mean, this is really something to play around with. This is something you you would work with in your life and and get better at and learn more about the way your body works and the way the spiritual realm works. So yeah, Nicholas Newport Lucidology.com. Uh, it's a you have to pay for it. You know, he wants to make some money off his knowledge. I have nothing against that. Clear my throat again. I'm real congested. So that that was everything I can think of that I didn't mention in my OBE episode. I'm at 12 minutes. He said he ranch. A lot of things. <laughs> that that I, I'm going there again someday. I might volunteer there at some point, but. All right, so creepy night I have written down. What that is is one night, and I felt like I had mentioned this, but then I listened and I kind of skipped through the episode, and I don't think I did. There was one night that was, like, I, I was there for four nights, and this was never a problem in those other nights. But one night in particular... It's late. I'm sitting I'm sitting in Skywatch Field where there's a lot of lawn chairs, talking to some girl, um, maybe my age, maybe late twenties. And you know, I hate that I think of women that way. There's always this my some part of my brain that's checking for compatibility, but I think that's natural. Telling her about out of body experiences and <laughs> you can tell this is something I think about a lot. Uh the things I believe about them, tips about having them, th things to watch out for. And I had been talking about this to a few other people, because like I said in that episode, this was a environment where I could really be myself. Um, I went... I guess I was there later than everyone else. And I eventually got up to go to bed. Done walk looking at the sky. I, I don't know if I saw anything interesting that night. And I was I guess I walked to the bathroom and I was very afraid. You know, like when you're a kid and you're in the dark, it's just like you feel like anything can happen. And I'd walked alone in the dark at least a couple different nights, several different instances, you know, I'd have to go back to my tent to get my dinner or whatever. I brought a bunch of hiking food. Well, tonight though, I was just like, I was very nervous. I walked to the bathroom. I was walking down the path. I was just like, I was jumpy. I was full of nerves. And I saw just like a light pole, just like a, you know, a wooden pole. And you know how you can walk into a room and there's like a robe hanging on the wall and for the briefest moment it looks like a person standing there and like it legit you can see their face and everything just for the briefest second and then you're like then your brain figures it out <laughs> and then oh no that's a robe but for that moment you feel really scared i had that i saw the pole and it looked like a like a gray but like 10 feet tall and it was only for a split second, and then I saw that it was a, a light pole. I was very freaked out. And then I got to my tent. I laid down in my tent, and 
I was so scared, and I kept hearing footsteps around the tent, and it was the sound of pine needles getting smoosh, smoosh, smoosh like that. I went to sleep. I woke up again at some point. I could still hear the footsteps around and around my tent, and I I'd never heard anything around there before or after that. Um, happened to wake up at one point, woke up staying still, and I realized, oh, I haven't moved, I haven't opened my eyes, I can try for an out-of-body experience. I did the, the techniques, and then I saw in the back of my mind's eye what looked like a speedometer, right? A round speedometer on a car, except it had its, uh, its needle was a double needle, two needles parallel. Imagine the letter uppercase H. Then move the crossbar to the top of the H, make the H a little more narrow, and the two bottom feet of it come to a point. And that, that is what the, uh, that's what the needle looked like. And I was looking at it going, this is weird, what's this about? And it went in counterclockwise, just ooh, like a, like your speed is going down. It went down, 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 and then as soon as it hit a certain point, the vibrations came on. I still don't know what that was about. I get a quantum healing hypnosis session, that's definitely something I'm asking about. And yeah, as soon as, and then I had vibrations, which means, yeah, I can have, have an out-of-body experience right now, but I remembered all the creepiness, all the little footsteps, like, I literally do not want to get out there, especially in spirit, and see what's going on. I don't want to see what's here. So I just canceled it. I went to sleep, and when I wake up, woke up in the morning, it was bright out, and I felt fine. I went to class, and there were three or four women. And you know, this place is full of hippies and stuff. Anything goes. Not really. Not hatred and stuff, but... They were at one end of the room, and they were doing some kind of a witchy thing, like hand motions, I don't know, toward the front of the room where John Vivanka was. And I walked up to someone, I was like, well, so what's going on over there? Pointing at the women, and someone said, oh, John, John had a psychic attack last night. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, because that's the same night, obviously, is I was very uncomfortable. I went and sat down with him later, after class, I guess, and I said, I was probably in the middle, and I said, I told him my story, and I said about the tall gray, he said, yep, they were here last night, and I was just like, oh, this is blowing my mind right now. Anyway, that's that part. I am not moving through this fast enough, I think. Um, okay, at the end of the episode, I just, it's as a rule, <laughs> the, uh, the episodes cut off unexpectedly in... It makes it a little less pleasing as a piece of media, but boy, it brings me a lot of joy to hear <laughs> to hear the end of an episode and go like, oh, uh, oh, yeah, They're the first one. I, I forgot how the first one ended, but it brings, oh, hello, brings me a lot of joy to hear, to, to, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why I love it so much. The episode just cut off right, right in the middle. So... At the end of that one, was it, was it the East Teddy one, or was it the coming out of Closet Your Beliefs one? Well, it doesn't matter, I guess. It's all, it's all coming out in this one. 
I said that uh, Vivant, no, it wasn't even, there was a uh, professional remote viewer there, and I had asked him about Corey Good, and uh, like, have you ever done, have you ever done a remote viewing of Corey Good? Is he legit? And or, yeah, Corey Good's got a heart of gold. There are some some of our sessions showed him uh, sitting in an MK Ultra mind control facility, but he is trying to be honest. You know, he's not lying. He's just just a little mind controlled. And I asked about a couple of other UFO personalities, and the basic message was they're all compromised. And compromise doesn't mean anything specific other than the bad guys, the the ones who like to run everything and not tell us they're doing it. They they like you know if they see and this made sense to me if they see that someone is a prominent their their prominent personality they they have a big platform they're getting a message out. They're going to want to bribe them. They're going to want to threaten them. They might want to mind control them. And that technology does exist. So, in one way or another, they're all compromised. You're watching David Wilcock. You're watching Corey Good. You're watching that freaking guy who, with the glasses, and I don't know, I can't think of his name, the muscular guy. The, the guy on Ancient Aliens, you know, <laughs> him too. Just that you can't put your trust in any public figure, because if they are a public figure, then someone wants their own message mixed in with that. So you just put trust in yourself. You don't need... You don't need all these personalities, all the... You know, to, to, to live vicariously through their exciting and, and interesting experiences. You have your own brain and your own heart, and... You don't have to believe anyone. I mean, you just, just need to be kind to people. But So anyway, that's what it meant by they're all compromised. Now, the first episode, I was talking about my... Uh, talking about a dream I had where I was at the supermarket. Black screen appeared in front of my face. Another dream came in. Uh played itself through, and then I was back where I left off in the original dream. And I was going to tell that was the interesting part. One dream interrupting another on a black screen. That is what is unusual. That is what breaks the rules of dreams that you don't know exist until they are broken. Now, the part that is distracting, <laughs> and you know, you're going to have a bit of a roller coaster when you hear this part very briefly because... It doesn't, you know, you think this, and then you think it's that. So, the black screen appeared in front of my eyes. It got bigger till it filled my vision, and then it faded away, and I was looking into the face of a gray alien, just like on X-Files or whatever. Yeah, you've seen them, you've seen them on shirts, whatever. Big eyes, big forehead. <laughs> Not trying to shame them. Um... And I was in the apartment I grew up in with my parents. None of us live there at this point. I was in my parents' bedroom on their bed. 
There was a gray alien at the foot of the bed and one at the right side of the bed, the left side being a wall. So I became so afraid that I knew I must be dreaming. Basically, it became a lucid dream just out of terror because I guess, I mean, I've always been freaked out by those faces. You see the cover of the book, Cont uh, da, 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 Whitley Strieber, Communion. You see that image always free. And, you know, it is it is a scary image. So, in response, I I realized I was dreaming. So, okay, I can I can do whatever I want. I'm dreaming. So, for whatever reason, my response was to inflate my body like a balloon. I inflated it so it filled up the whole room, and. It was pushing the greys back, and they f they seemed surprised and dismayed that I was doing that. And then that dream went away, and I was back in the supermarket. So that was the thing that I cut off uh, on the first episode. Where are we at? 25 minutes, so we're almost at halfway. <laughs> one thing, uh, one thing I forgot to mention in the Isetti episode, John Vivanco, who was the teacher, the remote viewing teacher. He wasn't the only remote viewer there. He mentioned at one point, if you... <laughs> he was up there showing us, he was up there demonstrating how to do remote viewing. And he had his, I think it was a whiteboard, and he'd start putting down impressions. Oh, uh, you know, orange, soft, uh... Smells like uh, chlorine. I don't know. And at one point I raised my hand up. I said, so when you're doing a demonstration, are you making this up or are you actually getting impressions of something? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's real impressions. You know, I'll, I'll never know what it is that I'm that I'm getting information about. But but yeah, I'm actually doing the process. And he said also, if you guys want to task me, while I'm doing this, that's fine. And I took that to mean that if I'm up here making a demonstration and you want to, sitting at your seat, give me the target quietly, then uh, that's just fine. So a day later, or maybe two days later, he's up there, he's demonstrating again, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is my chance. <laughs> because I mean, the, in, that's... Stuff like that, he'll say something very casually, and this happened with a few different things where I would hear it because I had read his book and I knew, you know, that's a little out there. You can task me, just see eh. And people don't hear it because if people aren't ready to hear it, if they don't really understand it, if it's a little too out there for them, even a room full of shamans and yoga teachers and stuff, um, they won't hear it. So he, he said, he gave his impression, he said something about red i think and i was like oh what it has a lot of red and so i wrote down on my notepad uh john's tasking is a rodeo <laughs> and he started oh my god he started like he kept doing he oh my god no 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 i don't know what to do i'm very upset right now okay everything's fine everything's fine i need blocks i don't have any blocks okay i'm using these my my armor's really good. <laughs> feeling stress. I'm feeling stress. 
See, I'm not hurt. It's just very stressful to be on fire. That was awful. So, you see I had those black black stone right there the whole time. <laughs> real life, except it's Minecraft, so it's not real life. So yeah, I wrote down rodeo. And then he starts, okay, um, it's a big flat area. There's... I'm going around and around and around. Oh, I hurt my head. He kept saying this stuff that I'm like, holy shit. He's describing like riding a bull <laughs> in a rodeo. And I don't remember all the all the data he came up with, but I knew it was blowing my mind as I sat there. And I told him about it after, you know, I was like, so, you know, I don't know if this is what you meant, but this is what I did. And he was like, oh, wow, cool. <laughs> He's a cool guy. So yeah, that was uh, me tasking John during his class. Intention and ego. Okay. I I guess I've known for a while that I have a bit of an ego problem. And that is not to say that my ego is bigger or worse than everyone else's. But it's bigger and worse than it needs to be. Too often I think of myself as special or... Like, I'm, I'm relatively intelligent in an analytical way, so I, I'll think of myself as above other people, and I don't say it, but it's not, it's not flattering to think about. It's not a good part of me. And this came up in a big way at Iseti, because I would say something, I'd raise my hand and say something that I thought was impressive, and I'd just end up embarrassing myself. And it happened over and over and over in such a way that I really, uh, I had to just slow down and say, okay, this needs to stop. This is horrible. <laughs> and during that time, I got a real, a real lesson about my ego, when to rec, how to recognize it and also, I I came to understand the importance of intention. Because if, if I'm in a conversation and I want to say uh, something about something interesting that happened to me, if I'm saying it from a place of ego, then it doesn't come across well. And I feel bad and they say, you know, it's just like it, I, I always got a little bite, a little sting when I was reacting from ego. But... But I could stop myself and make an effort to say the same thing from a place of honesty and humility. Same words, exact same thing, and it would work out differently. And, and that's one of the big points, is intention in life, in everything, is so important. Um, if you, if you try to help a kid and you end up accidentally killing five kids, that's still better than trying to kill a kid and ending up helping five kids. Um, like, I, that may not feel as obvious to you as it does to me right now, but... That's one of my big lessons that I came back from me, Seti, with is how important intention was. Uh, you know, the 
they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and I think that that applies most when you're using good intentions to do bad things. Like, oh, if I if I drop this bomb on the people of Japan, it'll end the war. That's the road to hell right there. Not that I believe in the Christian hell. Alright, so my most recent episode, coming out of the closet with my weird beliefs. Um, it was cut off at the end of the episode when I was talking about fasting. Um, I had been eating better, I had been doing things better. I had been really happy with myself. I woke up one morning, <clears throat> and I... My stomach felt full, and I hadn't eaten. And I took that as kind of a sign, like, okay... That's not good, that's not normal, that's not right. I I have too much junk in me from all the bullshit I've eaten over, you know, since the last time I was eating well. So I'm going to fast today. And I fasted, and I got to about 7 p.m. until I started to get hungry. And then toward the end of the day, past 7, I and I hadn't eaten anything. And like I said, uh, the intention to fast... You feel a lot better than if you intend to eat, but you just can't get your hands on any food. It's a completely different experience, even though it's the same amount of nutrition. So, I ended up suffering a lot for the rest of the day, and I woke up the next day, and this was only, this was less than a month ago. I woke up the next day with an understanding that I don't need to make myself suffer. What did I do? I leave my shulker box back there. Gosh. I don't need to make myself suffer. I'm always losing it. Um, like, I've done diets and exercise and in grueling ways. And, I mean, I, I, I've been, had a problem with my weight since I was 15, probably. And I mean, I've been overweight since before then, but obviously when I'm a teenager, that starts to make a big... It wasn't even 15. I remember fifth grade, I had this gray jacket because I, because I have man boobs. I had this gray jacket that I would wear every every day. I would not go to school without my gray jacket. It could, it could be 100 degrees out. And, and, you know, people would confront, you should take your jacket off, and I would never say it, because I, I, I've been a pretty shameful person my whole life. I've, I've had a lot of shame. I've acted out of shame a lot, and shame is a part of fear. And a lot of our worst shit comes from fear. Fear and insecurity, insecurity being shame, being fear. It's all fear. All our worst shit is fear. Um, I feel like hatred comes from fear. But yeah, so fifth grade, was that 10 years old? I don't know, nine or 10. So I've had a problem, a emotional insecurity problem with my weight for the big part of my life. <clears throat> and God, what the fuck was I talking about? Fasting. Oh yeah. And I have, I have done a lot of different types of diets, different, you know, oh, gotta go jogging. And I've I've been really strict with myself. And I've gone through a lot of suffering, and then, you know, the, the deprivation leads to a binge. It always does. And, oh, I'm good at binging, you know. Am I full again? 
so should have brought some wood. I decided after I fasted that oh damn it. Whatever. I decided after I fasted that day that I was not going to do that anymore. There was not going to be any more really making myself suffer in anguish for the sake of some goal. That's past. That's not a part of my life anymore. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, I'm not going to do strenuous work. I'm not going to, you know, I go to the gym and stuff. I started going to the gym just a week ago. And when I'm on the stair stepper, like, ooh, I'm really working hard, but I'm not suffering. I'm not full of longing to stop the way I, rem I remember one day I think I was on a low carb diet and those were always really effective for me I lost 40 pounds like several times doing low carb diets and I was walking through the store the store that I work at now and I was I wanted like a brownie in it I wanted like a, it may have been a brownie, it may have been a donut, but I wanted it so bad I was like shaking and kind of freaking out. I was in a mild panic and I've been in that state so many times and I should be, one time I did mushrooms and I did mushrooms with the intention of fixing my overeating problem. And at the end of the mushroom trip, I got this message. Very clearly, it was all, it was just like this thought that just appeared in my head, very simple and elegant. And it was that if you, that you can treat the relationship between your mind and your body as a parent-child relationship. And if you give the body what it wants, it will be spoiled. If you discipline the body properly, then it will be disciplined and well-behaved. If you deprive it, it will throw a tantrum until it gets what it wants. And, you know, I appreciate my body. I'm not complaining about it. So, uh, fasting. So this is kind of a long, you know, parenting your body. You, you don't you don't give your kid Oreos every day and then have him wake up one day and say you're drinking kale shakes now because that you you didn't you didn't take the time to be caring and to really prepare your and I don't need this mushroom to prepare your kid for this it's abrupt and it's not fair and it's good to treat your body fairly and kindly and we think it's just this machine we're in it's just this uh you know it's a bunch of squishy stuff that's smushing together and there's some atoms that are doing some shit in there but but it, it has a it has a mind of its own it has like the, the body is a big part of the consciousness i guess it's time to head back you know you make decisions and you have your executive function which is your mind and then you have your body which it, it, often they're at odds and you can't treat your body like it's your slave i guess that's my point and that's why 
I'm not going to deprive my body in that way anymore. I'm going to be more gentle. I'm going to say, look, we're going to eat vegetables this time. Look, we're, you know, and if it says no, I want a monster energy drink. I'll go, okay, we'll have one this time. <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat again. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I came to that decision. I feel like my body and I are getting along a lot better now. I guess the last thing that I have on my list is a reason for doing this podcast and a reason for being open with your beliefs in general, which is hard, as I mentioned, is that have you ever had the experience where you there's some issue you think the the normal thing about it like it seems obvious and everyone's saying it can i do an example no i can't i can't give an example so there's something you believe a certain way about it everyone else believes it it's perfect makes sense but then you hear someone maybe a little more fringe explain this other way of looking at it and you realize that you've kind of believed that deep down the whole time but you never really let yourself realize that you believe that and you're able to transition over to that belief let's say 9-11 you go uh okay these like if, if you'd never heard of truthers or something you're watching the news there goes one building there goes another building Wait, there goes the third building. People are talking about the temperature of the jet fuel burns at. The third building didn't have any jet fuel in it. And maybe you're thinking, gosh, like this doesn't make sense to me. This is not exactly what it appears. And then you see someone come out online and say that it's not what it appears. And you go, okay, that is what I believe too. But you didn't even realize you believed it until someone else did, because sometimes we have to give each other permission to believe things. And we can, there, there can be 10 people in a room. They could all believe the less common belief, but none of them know it. <clears throat> and none of them are saying it. So they're not giving each other permission to believe it. I've, uh, with the whole COVID thing, I swear to God, this, throat of mine with the whole covid thing you know i'm i'm uh someone who <clears throat> is in the camp that not only is it a man-made disease it's really not as bad when you look around and you look at the people around you and you go there's a pandemic we're fine you know i've known a few people who've had it one of them had to go to the hospital the rest back at work in a few days and I said that on Facebook, and I got a lot of angry people, and that's why I don't intend to have a lot of back and forth with my uh, listeners on this podcast, because I, I, don't, I, I don't handle that the best. So I had, <clears throat> I said my point of view on that particular issue, and, <clears throat> and then I had two or three people approach me at work, and Oh my god, I know that's 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 so true. I think that this isn't actually the best example because these are already people who didn't bring any wood at all. My gosh. 
these are already people that had this belief, but I, I think you're getting the gist of it. The idea that... No, I could... There's probably planks up here. The idea that you can... You can believe something and not know it. You can believe something and not realize it until someone else brings it up, gives it life by saying it out loud. And... And that's just, <laughs> at some point, you know, hopefully you're strong enough to believe something and then say, like, believe it without anyone else believing it. Be the only person in your life that believes something. And that's difficult and rare. But it's good to give voice to those things because then you're giving other people permission to believe them. Or to even know that they believe them. Which might sound outrageous if you haven't noticed that yourself. Well, I guess I have to go back and get some wood. Alright, so that's everything on my list. But, uh, you know, I really don't have any... I guess I don't know which way I'm going. I guess... Okay. So I want the torches to be on my left, heading back. Um, Alright, so I have about 15 minutes left, and I, I have no shortage of things to talk about. Um, I said, uh, I talked about my dream of moving from the time of the dragonfly into the time of the dragon. Um, started recording this podcast. I'm trying to get several episodes ahead. I, I put them in a queue. They post themselves on Tuesday morning. Oh, that's the name of a retail store. Um, well, I started... I've had this gym membership for <laughs> almost four years now. And I went twice, I think. And then for... You know, it's fear. Fear is our worst enemy. And I just, uh, you know, it was, oh, I should go to the gym. I should be going to the gym. Maybe I'll go to the gym today for three years. I did that. I was their best customer because I was giving them the money without using the facilities. And then just, uh, I don't know, a week ago maybe, I just, after work, I went to the gym. And I realized, I had realized at work with some befuddlement that, there are lockers upstairs that I enjoy going up the stairs to get to the locker. I just jog up the stairs real quick and it's there's something childishly fun about going up the stairs. So I chose the stair stepper. I did the stair stepper for a half hour. Everyone seems to be going like for five minutes. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but I do the stair stepper for a half hour, keep my heart rate at 145 for the cardio deal. What was in that chest back there? I don't know. And it's not that bad. Like, it's... I don't know. It used to be such a big fucking deal. Like, socially. Like, oh, there are these people around. Now I'm undressing in the locker room. And these people are watching me. And, oh, am I doing this good enough? Do I not look like an idiot? And I'm not worried about that now. I don't... I know, I, I know I'm, I'm going through a transformation. But, jeez, it's... It's weird how different things look from this angle. 
so yeah doing the gym now making the podcast still haven't uh put a lot of good work into my produced videos though i do have a couple days off coming up I'll make a couple more episodes of this and work on that um you know who knows what i i feel like i'm gonna run out of topics for the podcast but really i probably won't i, I think there's enough stuff in the world to talk about Doing the gym, feeling more confident talking to human beings, feeling a lot of joy during the day, handling emotional upsets a lot better. You ever had, I'm sure you have, we have this bad habit of we're upset about something, so we do everything we can to become more upset about it. My daughter, when she was seven, she used to... Like, she'd get in trouble, and then she'd go into her room, and she'd just stew in it, and she would literally sit there and talk her talk to herself, make herself more and more angry and sad and betrayed. And unfortunately, that's not very uncommon. Because the fact is that acting normal, behaving in a way that uh, is considered normal is kind of garbage we're supposed to we're supposed to go to work and then spend the rest of the time trying to recover from work work is not natural and and don't take this the wrong way because working working on things is natural um like just, you know, you're in a tribe, you're helping build houses, uh, you're hunting for food, you're growing food, you're digging, I don't know, I don't know what tribal people do. And you're getting stuff out of it, you're getting fellowship out of it, you're hanging out with your friends. That is a far cry from doing work, why didn't I just go through the portal down there? That was a far cry from working at 7-Eleven, working for the benefit of some CEO you will never meet, someone you don't know, Mr. 7-Eleven. <laughs> and you're not supposed to hang around and chat. You stay on task, do a good job, and we're indoctrinated to believe that there's something normal about this lifestyle of going to the place, putting on the uniform. Oh my God. And, you know, it, it's, it really dampens your soul. And we're, almost all of us are going through it. Very few of us, relatively, as a percentage, are in an occupation making money in a way that brings us joy, that is aligned with our talents and our desires and our, our, uh, I don't know, what makes us excited, you know? I mean, there's yoga teachers out there. I feel, I, 
there are definitely people who are doing it. And there are stockbrokers who just are thrilled to go to the thing, but most of us... Oh my gosh, need to turn off the notification sounds. Most of us are in a situation where we spend all of our time recovering from work. Some people do it with alcohol or weed or Netflix or ice cream or, oh, I've got to go party as hard as I can because the partying, <laughs> that's a natural state. Hanging out, interacting, having fun, sharing love, and working this thing we, 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 we feel like it's the moral thing to do. It's the way humans ought to be. And humans should work. But this thing, there's got to be a different word for it. This thing that we go do and clock in, that's not just working. That's, hey, uh, you hear the word wage slavery. And I'd hate to use the word slavery when there were actual slaves, people who were stolen from their homes and made to do work for free as a, as a property of someone else. But... The fact is that we're born into a garbage system with this thing, currency, this bartering chip that equals all goods and all services and ends up being the king of the hill. And then to get currency, we've got to help someone else run their business and do things the way they prefer them to be done and do shit that we don't care about and spend a large, large percentage of the hours we are alive doing shit we don't care about. And, oh, whiny millennial stuff, oh, you don't want to work, uh, well, fuck off. <laughs> because it's not natural and it's not okay. Just because we're used to something doesn't mean that's the way it should be. Oh, it's... It's hard to defend. And, you know, okay, we need people to run grocery stores. We we need people to run the 7-Elevens. And I don't know. I don't have a solution for you. We need better robots or something. We need automation. We need to get out of these uniforms. And, you know, there are people who love my wife, really enjoys going to work, being the boss keeping everything organized, and that's wonderful. That's not most of us. Most of us are kind of dying slowly doing this stuff, and uh, I think it hits me pretty hard because I don't deny it. <laughs> I am 100% aware that I'm in a bad situation, whereas if I was... Why did I do that? If I was accepting of it... oh. That was the dumbest. God, I, okay. If I was really accepting of it, oh, th this is what I have to do. This is just what's normal. Well, this is this uh, podcast is obviously not called "Be More Normal," is it? Because normalcy is toxic. It's this horrible thing that we're born into. We are in a. We're in a society, I don't know, man, we're so indoctrinated, we're so full of this is the way it's got to be, and it's just such awful bullshit. 
because we're on antidepressants. We're watching people behave badly on TV and thinking, well, I behave better than them. What? Oh, there was this shit my roommate used to watch. What am I doing? The shit my roommate used to watch. Uh, women in a, in a freaking house living together, treating each other like shit. And we get used to this. We see it all the time, and and it's it's so insidious how we come to believe that the way things are is the way they have to be. And I used to be, we'll call it anarcho-primitive, and you know, there's a lot of criticisms for saying that when we lived in tribes, life was better. Well, Evan, you don't want to be, um, what's the word? Yes? Sounds like someone was opening my door. Well, Kevin, you don't want to be, um, you don't want to do the whole noble savage thing. Oh, they were as bad as we were, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm not saying there were noble savages that uh, Native Americans, that African tribe, they were perfect, flawless humans. But they had a lot of shit figured out that we no longer have figured out. Because, you know, people post memes about, hey, would you live in this cabin if you had to give up the internet and blah, blah, blah. It's in this paradise. Oh my. And, I mean, we know we know that the technology is not making us happy. It's something we want, but it can't make us happy <clears throat> because the thing, you know, the best things in life are free. All these cliches, <clears throat> once you realize the truth of them and you're like, oh, I've been hearing this my whole life and I didn't even notice that it was this true. The best things in life are free. What are the best things in life? Uh, Hanging out with your family, hanging out with your friends, having sex with a person, um, going outside, hiking. It's like you, you can be on World of Warcraft. The thing is, when you're playing video games, we we get happiness mixed up with a lot of things. We th oh my god, this <laughs> I don't know why I don't just turn down my speaker. I'm sitting here suffering. I just I guess I was afraid that uh that it would stop working, but that doesn't make sense. We sit here and we suffer. I have two minutes. Okay, we... We play video... We, we do things that we think make us happy. Or satisfied. I can play The Binding of Isaac. Like, wow, this makes me happy. But that's not what it's doing. It's stimulating you. It's not happiness. It's not satisfaction. It's simply stimulation. And we seek out stimulation because we've been told it's happiness even though the more you sit there and play the game for five hours, you're not like, wow, I feel so fulfilled. I feel so happy. No, you feel drained. Happiness is not the same as stimulation. 
we are so addicted to stimulation. Oh god, there was some at the gym, there was some cooking show on one of the TVs and like one of the there was a fucking guy dressed as a cat like